0: Podcast. Our vision is to create people-centered leaders at home, at work, and in our communities who lead through the powerful lens of empathetic listening. Our podcast will help refresh your skills and sharpen your tools as we do the important work of truly human leadership together. Hello and welcome to the Our Community Listens podcast. I'm Adam Salga, and here with me today is Sarah Weisbarth, Our Community Listens professor who's back with us to tell me all about her car.
1: Because <laughs> you listened so well the first time.
0: <laughs> today's topic is reflective listening. And if anyone listened to episode six, they know that we shared a story about uh, her Buick and you know I did a really great job of reflective li- reflectively listening and just jumping into my story about buying a new Ford. So today we're gonna try and hone
1: my reflective listening skills. <laughs> and uh work
0: through that how's that sound sarah that
1: sounds like a great plan adam um but first i just i just want to tell you that i really appreciate your time and talents in producing these podcasts for us um, our listeners are finding them incredibly helpful um i know leanne and i have enjoyed doing them and um i know our professors that are going to come on board here in a little bit are excited to jump in and share their thoughts with our listeners too and we couldn't do it without your your time and your talents and your efforts so thank you very much
0: you guys can't tell out there, but I'm blushing. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and this opportunity meant a lot. And I really am thankful for it. So thank you. You bet. We just, we appreciate you. All right. Go for it. Let's get into reflective listening.
1: All right. So first it's test time. Do you remember the components of reflective listening? There are five of them. Uh, The only five things I remember
0: are the names for all my fingers. So, (laughs) no, I do not remember the five steps of reflective listening. (laughs) All
1: right. So, first off, they're not necessarily steps. Um, They're kind of like components. Okay. Um, They're things that we're going to involve in the action of being a reflective listener. Okay. All right. So, the first things that are really the easiest are um, the attentive behavior and the acknowledgements. That's where we're really paying attention to the person and acknowledging that they're listening. Tending behavior would look like if you came into my office and said, hey, Sarah, you have a minute, I would turn away from my computer. Maybe if it was my laptop, I'd flip my laptop down. I'd turn my phone over. For me, I actually have to put it in my purse. Um, I'd spin my chair, so maybe I'm facing you. Like, make eye contact. Very specific behaviors that would be evident to you that you now have my attention. That's why they're called attending behavior.
0: I think one of the biggest ones that people probably struggle with is our cell phones. And people think, well, I can listen to this person and pay attention to what they're saying and still scroll on my Facebook feed or look at that recipe or whatever it might be. But truthfully, you should put it down. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. And I see this actually in coffee shops and restaurants all the time where people are kind of like glancing up and listening and then glancing down and scrolling and glancing up and listening. But really, are they giving the other person their full attention?
0: Right. And in my 20s, when I was with my buddies and we were just hanging out on our laptops, you know, chit-chatting about sports or hockey or whatever it might be, that that was fine. But um, we weren't trying to share real deep personal information. We were just, quote, hanging out. Right. But it changes when
1: someone comes with a an expectation. Absolutely. Like if someone's really coming wanting to connect with you and talk with you and maybe share a concern or a problem or even just vent something that's going on in their life that's meaningful, I'm sure they'd appreciate it if you were paying attention.
0: Right. Okay, so you've closed your laptop, you've given that person their attention, you've made you've maybe changed your body position like you mentioned eye contact.
1: I've also um acknowledge them, right? So I'm using most, maybe some verbal cues, like, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, oh, just maybe some head nods. Like right now, as I'm talking to you, demonstrating them, my hand is kind of making this gesture of like, oh, keep talking, kind of inviting you in to continue to talk. Um, So I see acknowledgments as almost like the verbal way that I'm telling you that I'm paying attention and that you matter to me.
0: So I can see why it's important to demonstrate in words and actions that you're really listening to someone. So those are two of them, correct? Yep. And and they were?
1: (laughs) Attending behavior and acknowledgements. All right.
0: Attending behavior and acknowledgements. And what are the next couple?
1: Well, your first statement back to me was an excellent reflective response. And then that, what else? Well, that's that door opener, Adam. So the door openers are kind of the next step.
0: So door openers are statements that invite people to, I'm kind of guessing here, but opening a door, inviting them to come in or inviting them to say more.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I kind of see that as like, we call it like emotional hospitality, right? Like you've come, you've knocked on my door. You want my attention. I'm giving you my attention. I'm acknowledging that you're there. And now I'm saying, come on in, tell me more, which happens to be the typical door opener that we all use. It gets a little old sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah.
0: I would say with certain people, you might not even need to use these door openers. Certain people are just going to start sharing.
1: Yes. Um, Door openers are really when there's that moment where someone pauses and you can kind of tell where like, oh, they kind of want to keep talking, but it's a natural pause. This is an encouragement for them to keep talking. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's that. Tell me more. Um, Even like, while I'm listening right? Just assuring them like, wow, I'm here for you. You could actually use that one. I'm right here. Um, If they're sharing something that maybe isn't a deep problem, maybe something that's just kind of an excitement, maybe a a future vacation or things that are going well in their family, you could be like, well, that's interesting, right? Just just some phrases and statements, just kind of keep them talking.
0: I like that you brought that up because I think oftentimes in our conversations about how to, you know, connect with people, we think it's always I think we have a tendency to lean towards they have a problem, an issue, or um, just they need to spill their guts on something. But it's not always negative or sad or um, something that they're struggling with. It might be, you know, connecting with them about the vacation they're planning, about the um, new promotion at work, or about the exciting new thing they've done. And it's also important
1: to connect and have these skill
0: sets for those types of conversations, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's just a way to continue a conversation and to let that person know that you actually care about what they're sharing. And I I think about this. um, I'll use my husband as an example. He um, switched job roles and started doing landscaping. And he would come home, and he was super excited about how many wheelbarrows of dirt and how many loads of stone, right? Thank you for laughing, Adam, because you can probably see my face right now. Well, I can see someone coming home and you kind of... uh,
0: Sorry, I'll let you finish your story.
1: Oh, no, it's great because if if you could see my face right now, you would see basically I pretty much don't care about (laughs) loads of stone and wheelbarrows of dirt. And unfortunately, out of my mouth one day, I said that to my husband, right? A better door opener would have been wow, that's exciting, right? Or, wow, that's hard work. Right. right? Just something to encourage him to talk more about his work, not necessarily how many yards of stone he (laughs) hauled. Sure.
0: When I run out of door openers, I often want to just start asking questions, just peppering them with questions, anything I can think of to maybe keep the conversation going.
1: So it sounds like you're wanting to just fill the space with questions because you don't really know what you should be saying.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of natural sometimes, especially if it's someone we don't know
1: too well. Okay, so we really have to be careful with questions. So it's easiest and safest just not to go there. Why do we need to be careful about questions? Seems natural to me. Well, let's think about it this way. If we ask questions because we need to know, right? Like if I have this burning need to know more about the story you're sharing with me, the situation, is it just a detail I need to know? Is it Is it something I need to know? Do I have just this like burning personal curiosity that I need to know? That's all about me. That's not really helpful to you. That doesn't make my attention be on you. It makes me focus on my need to know.
0: Right. And I can understand when it's a crucial conversation or they're coming to you with a need or just whatever it might be in those more serious situations that might come across the wrong way.
1: Yeah. It it really can. Um you can actually see conversations derail. Um if someone's sharing a a problem or a concern, it doesn't have to be super deep, but if they're just sharing something with you, I actually see this happen with my kid. Um he can be super excited about whatever happened in gym and I'll be like, oh well what game were you playing? And he will literally shift the conversation to have to answer my question. Right. Instead I'd be better off going, well, that sounds exciting, or that sounds like you're having fun. And that will prompt him to then keep telling me more without me really having to ask him to tell me more. Right. But asking that question almost arrests and stops his thought process of what he actually wanted to share with me.
0: And you're trying to avoid that as much as possible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um. So we have the attending behavior the acknowledgements, and the door openers, right? So those are just kind of like the intro to the conversation. That just gets the conversation going, right? So avoiding those questions as door openers, from door openers, we should actually be shifting either towards silence or reflective response. Silence
0: doesn't go over super well on a podcast.
1: (laughs) I was literally almost having anxiety that you weren't responding right away to what I had just said. (laughs) Silence can be... A little disruptive
0: but in real life silence I can do that just be quiet it's easy enough
1: well in, in theory um, you'd actually be surprised um, because I think sometimes when when people are silent and we have this like need to fill the space right so then we feel like well I, well, I better say something I have to say something well, let me just start talking about a story that's similar to what they're sharing with me. Or, you know, I can, I don't know, maybe ask a question because I'm really good at that. And I want to know more information. Um, But silence isn't, hmm, I don't know how to explain this quite right. Silence isn't just about me learning to close my mouth, because I feel like that's the part that I can physically do. I sometimes have to bite the inside of my lip. Um, But silence is also me kind of quieting my mind. And, um, I use this as an example with, um, youth that I work with. And I said, when we're really listening and paying attention to someone, we can't also be figuring out, well, I have to go pick up my son from school and then I got to get these grocery items. And then I want to pack for the weekend that we're going to go on. And then I've got this project that I really have to do. And, oh my gosh, I got to call that person about that project. And wow, I wonder if they're going to be home. Did I tell them I was going to call them on Monday or did I tell them I was going to call them on Tuesday? And when I was giving this example in the classroom, one of the, the youth literally said to me, you sound like my mom. And I went, okay, great door opener. And then she said, and I never feel like she's really paying attention to me. And my heart broke. And I realized that if that's what I'm doing in my head when people are trying to talk to me, that I'm still not really listening to them even if it's not coming out of my mouth. So I have to silence my mouth, but I also have to silence my mind and give them all of my attention.
0: I think it then allows your mind to really absorb what it is they're sharing with you.
1: Absolutely, right? Like I've cleared all of that space and now I can capture what they're really wanting to talk about.
0: So after silence, there's still one more. I'm keeping track here. I've got four fingers out. So this fifth one, my thumb, what's that fifth?
1: Yeah. So that fifth one, actually, Adam, you're really good at. You just gave me a reflective response. Um ideally back there, and and my response was, well, thanks, because I was so busy thinking about what I had actually said to you. (laughs) Sorry. sorry. So the first four, remember, attending behavior, acknowledgments, door openers, um, just that importance of silence, and that fifth one that you're waiting on, that's reflective response. Um, Reflective response is really that skill that just moves the conversation forward. Um, Without a reflective response, you kind of have really no idea if you've heard the person correctly And they also don't know if they've been heard. Um, Reflective response kind of either wraps it up or keeps it going. It just kind of depends on where the conversation needs to go. Okay. So I I bet you're probably wondering like, okay, that sounds great. Like I understand. Like at some point there's a a pause in the conversation and I'm supposed to say something, right? Reflective response is a thing you're supposed to say. Sure you want to know what a reflective response is? Yeah, let's work on (laughs) what
0: that actually sounds like.
1: Right. So a reflective response should include like a fact and a feeling. Now, in class, we gave you several different kind of intros. Like it sounds like, and insert the fact, and your feeling, and insert the feeling, right? We're finding that people are it, it kind of stumble over that like that's almost like I call it clunky right like if I'm trying to have a conversation with them with this person and I'm trying to really pay attention and then I'm trying to remember okay so in class they told me to say it sounds like and you feel that you're probably not really doing a great job of being a reflective listener
0: I will 100% <laughs> acknowledge that has happened to me yes so
1: yeah well i appreciate your desire to want to do it well and that's really kind of like the first step of that awareness of i just want to be a good listener i want to be present and i want to be engaged but now there's something i'm supposed to say and i want to i want to do it right or do it well so let me give you a couple of maybe simpler examples um sounds like you're really excited about your vacation that's yeah. just something you can respond back to someone they're sharing about their trip and you're like oh that sounds like that's exciting Let's talk a little bit about tone. Oh, can
0: okay. we can we just slightly cover that? Because if I were to say, "Sounds like you're really excited about your vacation," you might think <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a different. I, I don't want to get too too in depth with that, but yeah. the idea here is knowing your tone and understanding your tone, and maybe working on it if you have to.
1: Yeah, and um, I think too when you, you try to use some of the like pre scripted examples, they can sound kind of contrived. Yes. And sing songy is my phrase and might cause people to wonder about your sincerity. Right,
0: exactly. So I, I just bring that up as a, a potential hurdle that you might need to get over or work on.
1: Yes. Absolutely. And um I'll I'll use an example from my youth again. Um I fall into the tell me more And it just kind of rolls out of my mouth, like, well, tell me more. And I had a young man in class say, if you ask me to tell you more, and he mimicked me one more time, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you anything. (laughs) Right. It was a clear message delivery that I needed to change my tone. (laughs) Right. Or maybe find some different words. Yes. Finding those different words is super helpful. Okay, what else do you have for an example yeah, of reflective so, listening? Yeah, some other examples of reflective listening. Um, this one's a little bit longer, right? This one might be someone that's come to you with maybe a problem. Um, so this one reads, it must be difficult to help your mom when she doesn't understand that she is aging and experiencing limitations. And you know, that includes, you know, there's that fact, right, that someone's clearly talking to you about a problem with their mom that's aging and is experiencing these limitations. Who knows what they are? I could... You know, if I fall back to my old ways, ask five questions about that. Um, But what I've really acknowledged is that it's difficult, that this person is struggling with this this issue with their mom. Right. So this is the other one I I like, too. Um, How about it's, you sound so proud of passing your science test. Does that sound like a reflective response to us?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: So they passed their science test. That could be the fact. And... I'm hearing pride, right? So, oh, you sound so proud of passing your science test. I like this one too, because I feel like it starts to instill that sense of feeling good about yourself when you label some of those really positive feelings that you notice in others. And this one, I use this one at home a lot. It seems like it's fun for you to play your video games with your friends. So you get
0: to use that one at home a lot?
1: Yes. Yes, you can reflectively respond about playing video games. All
0: right. Well, it's good to know.
1: Yeah, you can reflectively respond, um, actually just about anything. And going back to sometimes feeling like it's difficult to have those door openers, if you actually just shift when there's that moment where you're supposed to say something into some sort of reflective response, even if it's, that's cool, or that's exciting or, wow, that's difficult. Those are literally two word reflective responses. I use the that's almost as the fact because someone has just shared something with you. I don't really have to repeat it back to them. And when you say the feeling, it almost always triggers someone to say, yeah, that is really difficult and continue on with what they want to share And if you go even in the positive direction, like, wow, that's really exciting. Then they're like, yeah, it is for this reason. It just prompts them to keep sharing more with you, which is the point. We want to create that connection with people. Um, So that reflective response, guys, I just, I can't tell you enough. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be contrived. You don't have to like take mental notes about what the person is telling you in order to know exactly what to respond back. Um, just really try to identify with that feeling. Um, that's where we're going to generate that empathy with others. And that's where that connection grows. Um, all of these skills have to be done sincerely. Adam, you talked about tone. We talked about our behavior. Um, if we don't do it in a way that conveys that we actually care, which is where that empathy comes in, it's just really going to fall flat. Um, And and we're going to be listeners that aren't really genuine. So these skills are doable. We just have to do them in in a way that shows that we care. Adam, if I asked you, right, I'm going to turn the tables on you. I'm going to ask the questions now. If I asked you what you would find difficult about reflective listening, what would you say? I think we covered it a little bit, but definitely
0: the part where there's that open space and I'm expected to say something and it's difficult to know what those words are. I have a hard time deciding what to say. Almost like we talked about how your brain's trying to think about, okay, I should be listening to what they're saying so I can reflect it back at them. But I'm listening to or I'm thinking about what they're saying and I can't actually listen to what they're saying. So it's like it's difficult to find those correct
1: words. Yeah, because we feel like it's almost like we want to say something to make it better. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think at times
0: you can fall, especially in uh, maybe a stressful story or a story where they're sharing open feelings. Mm -hmm. um, We fall back into the really simple sayings of it'll be okay Mm -hmm. or you'll be fine. But I think we fall back into those because it's natural. It's the way, quote, people talk, quote, we don't mean it to be negative. We don't mean it to be rude, but it's just what people say. So as you've explained through reflective listening, if we can start working on, you know, things that work for us, we can change our behavior, right? So we can be better, Listeners,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to go back to kind of what you're expressing about how it can be hard when someone's sharing something deeply about themselves. Mm-hmm. It, it almost, I think it can almost be uncomfortable for the listener. Like, wow, I, and I heard you say it's natural to fall into it'll be okay. Like, we want, like, we have this desire, like, we want to kind of fix things for people. We want people to be okay. We want to comfort. And it's almost like, okay, if I just say it'll be okay, then somehow I've, I've done the right thing. Um, because it can be uncomfortable for us to experience people experiencing their their feelings and sharing them with us. Um, and like you summed it up perfectly, I feel like reflective listening gives us the tool to sit with people in those moments and just be present with them and just let them experience what they're experiencing and we just be there in a supportive role. I think knowing
0: that we're not there to necessarily solve or give an answer can change the way that you actually listen to the person and respond to them. Because I know personally, if my wife comes to me with something and she's talking about it like a work situation, I immediately, it's natural for me to just start saying, well, you could do this, or have you done this, or probably not even in those nice words, I probably say you should do this. and honestly she's not looking for me to solve it she knows she's an adult she knows how to solve her own problems yeah but when she comes to me i think that's my role but i i need to understand that's not always my role sometimes your role is simply to listen and if i get back to reflective response that'll keep my mind open to that yep absolutely
1: and i think your wife will appreciate you connecting with her that way
0: Okay, Sarah, so to wrap up our podcast today, tell me again what the five reflective listening skills are.
1: We have attending behavior, acknowledgements, door openers, silence, reflective response, and all of that's wrapped up in empathy. Empathy always being key, right? Always key. If anybody has any questions about
0: reflective listening or anything to do with OCL, how can they get in touch with us?
1: They can reach us on our Facebook page at Michigan OCL Alumni. And remember, alumni, you are the message. You've just listened to the OCL
0: podcast. Thank you for joining us. For additional resources and engagement opportunities, find us on Facebook at OCL Michigan Alumni or OurCommunityListens.org.